0: Uh, We are talking about identity. As We've been really diving into a series, and we've been really talking on the fact that I am who he says I am. And, And here's what that means. If there really is a God above all of heaven and earth, and there really is a creator who created all things, and if really the breath that you breathe is because he gave you that breath, then he has the right to identify you. Amen? And so the thing is, if that really is real, then our circumstances can't identify us. Because his circumstances are unchanging. The way we grew up can't identify us. Because he's raising us to be something better and stronger and faster. (laughs) Whatever that means. Um, Um, And so, so God is ultimately the one who defines us. And what I I find as many Christians, when we really find and we fall into a struggle or we we get into a rut or or we're really not living up to the potential that God has placed in us. And by the way, if you have the Holy Spirit, that's the level of potential that's inside of you, right? God level of potential. And so we don't often live up to it. And, and, And those people who do, we look at them and we're like, how did they do that? And really, most of these people who shook the foundations of the earth, people like a, like a Billy Graham, right? Like these kind of people, he just knew who he was, and he kept going. I mean, you ever hear Billy Graham preach? It wasn't often super deep. He just knew who he was, and it'll rock your world, right? And, and so we all have the potential in us to be that level of effective in the world around us. And maybe some of us struggle with insecurity or we don't even really know if we know Jesus. I want to tell you that the way the world would define you is far less than the way God would define you. And I want to encourage you to step into a new way of viewing yourself based off of how he views you. Amen. And so we have talked on being beloved and how I believe the concept of being beloved is the umbrella that will cover the entirety of your identity, right? I am not just a child of God. I'm a beloved child of God, right? I'm not just the bride of Christ. I am a beloved bride of Christ. I'm not just called and chosen. I am beloved and therefore called and chosen by God. Amen. And my wife did a message that I'm grandfathering into this series. She preached on the call to be a leader and how all of us are called to be a leader to some capacity. Amen. And so I am who he says I am. And I want you to know that you're a leader. Amen. Jesus specifically says that, you know, we talk about the I am's, right? The eight I am's. And this is who Jesus is. And this is who Jesus is. And he goes, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. You know, if you look at all eight of his I am's, only one time did he say, I am this. And so you will be too. Once out of the I am's and it was, I am the light. He says, I am the light, and so so shall you be, <laughs> right? And so out of all of the I am's, that one is the one that we're supposed to carry with the intention of like he was a light, so I am a light, right? Because, y'all, none of you guys is your job to be salvation and die on the cross for sin and people, right? That's not your job, but it is your job to be a light like he was a light. And so, therefore, if that's the only I am he gave us, then we are leaders because lights lead in the darkness, amen? Um, that wasn't what I was preaching, but... Identity is crucial to our walk with God. And so just that really cheesy thing we do in church, and I'm all about it. I see people, like, I'll watch, like, comment sections of, like, videos and stuff, and people complain about it, and I just, I can't stop it. Look to your neighbor and tell them that they're called and chosen by God, right? That cheesy Christian thing where you look to your neighbor and tell hey, you look good, God loves you, God's called you, I don't believe in too bad, he's chosen you anyway, Right? But I'm running right now. I'm going through a bad season. Well, that sucks. He chose you. (laughs) And he's going to walk with you through that season because even when we're faithless, he is still faithful because he can't deny who he is. Can I get an amen on a word like that? And um, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, I mean, write this down. (laughs) You know, Um, (laughs) my identity will always dictate my actions. And so when we have a, an op, a, a time where we begin to act or run away from God, oftentimes it's because we're not identifying ourselves with God or as a child of God. And we're not recognizing who we are, and we're considering ourselves to be something else, and so we're acting contrary to who we've ever been made to be. Amen. And so with this thought and this concept of being called and chosen, I want to take you to a section of scripture, the main scripture we're going to talk out of today. And we're going to read an entire chapter. I know. (laughs) But the statistics on Bible reading in church tells me that this might be the only chapter you read for the day. So, you know, I got you. I'm with you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a verse, a few verses, actually, and we're going we're gonna to talk about it. The whole chapter in context is going to be beautiful. It's only six verses. I'm, like, over-exaggerating because I think it's funny. Um, but it is the entire chapter, and we're going to dive in. But I want you to know, even though we're going to the Old Testament, uh, this chapter, every single verse in the chapter actually applies to you in that context right here right now and so this is one of those sections where i don't need you to go context hunting you actually don't have to because this actually just applies to you by nature of the fact that jesus is a good shepherd right and now i just revealed what verse i'm going to those of you who've been in church long enough psalm chapter 23 Um, i want you guys to really intake this and know that every single verse was said by god for you Amen. Regardless of context, regardless of season, regardless of circumstance, regardless of all those cheesy Christian words that we have, regardless of all those things, this will always be true of you, Um, provided that you are a child of God, saved. You believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And again, if you're in here and you don't, well, here's an opportunity to recognize the open door of something you can just walk right into. No questions asked. Amen. And with that in mind, let's get in the Bible. If you're there, can you just say there? Like, there we're there. And those of you who are like, I mean, it's on the screen, so I mean, we're all there, right? Um, I actually read somewhere—I forget what verse it is—but if you bring your Bible to church, you actually get a closer seat to the front in heaven. So I mean, <laughs> I mean, don't check me on that. Don't fact check it. We just blindly believe your leaders, guys. Um, but um, no, that's bad doctrine. But okay, chapter 23, verse one of Psalms: The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let's hold there just for like a million seconds. We could preach this sermon every week on Sunday, and it would never be a bad Sunday. (laughs) You know, Um, this is bold. I shall not want. I mean, we're talking about identity here. Who actually identifies themselves like that? And who actually lives a life that reflects that identity? Because a lot of times, the things we want are dictated by how we identify ourselves. Right? And so, ready, here's the qualifier, the Lord is my shepherd. So what does that mean? Since I'm a sheep, in the context of his sheep, I'll never want. Right? Now some of you want a Lamborghini because you're identifying yourself weird. (laughs) You know, you can want that, but are you satisfied without it? If the answer to the question is no, then you have a bad identity Of yourself because you know you're worth something even if your car isn't worth something right right (laughs) do you know that you're still worth something even if your house isn't worth something right you can live in a box and still be worth something ask my brother and sisters that believe in Jesus over in Africa they don't have a home but they still have statistically happier lives and less suicide before Jesus because they identified themselves by something different amen and I think we should take a page out of their book and live a little more happy and content in the things that God has already given us. Amen. But see, that's an identity thing. And you got to be who he says you are for that stuff to really bring you any peace. Chapter verse two, chapter verse two. I'm excited about that. All right. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Can we pause real quick? I'm going to keep pausing. Thomas always warns me, my buddy over here. This is Thomas. Um, my buddy always warns me. He goes, man, I think you, your intros are too long. And, like, I'm really working on it. But, like, today, I'm not working on it. It's going to be a long intro. And God is still good. <laughs> Amen. Uh, do I have a timer at all? But this timer. It's really funny because I can't remember the last time I looked at it. <laughs> and we always go over the timer. But it's there. Uh, 45 minutes, guys. promise. Um, I think something beautiful about this. When we, we we quote the verse, like, he makes me lie down beside Green pastures, um, and we, we think about the green pastures and we go, see, God's gonna bring me to a green pasture. Uh, let's pause real quick. That word says makes, there ain't no option. <laughs> You know, God will make his sheep lie down between green pastures. You don't believe me, read the book of Jonah. He's going to make you go right to your call, and he's going to make you go right where you belong. Uh, (laughs) I listened to a sermon the other night with my wife, and this is totally off topic, but here we go. I was watching a sermon with my wife the other night, and the guy was comparing Jonah and Jesus. And he said that sometimes we have storms in the process of following God. uh, But other times we have storms because we ran from God. And he said, did you know that you can avoid some of your storms? if we embrace our identity in Jesus and know that he's going to make me lie down and so I'm going to surrender to his will in my life, trust me, you only have half the storms that you're going to have. I mean, because some of them really are from God to prepare us and strengthen us. And some of them really are the enemy trying to stop your call. But at the end of the day, he can't because God's going to make me get through it. Right? The disciples may have been freaking out and tripping, uh, but they still got through the storm because Jesus was with them, which shout out to just having Jesus with you. Um, He makes me. Ain't no option. Guys, I have ran from God and, and just avoided God and kicked and screamed and woken up in peace before him anyway. It's not fair, but God is good anyway. Amen? (laughs) He leads me beside still waters. Same concept. Notice that uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me. He leads me. Notice there's a lot of verbs in this. There's a lot of actions in this. It's going to be relevant when we talk about it later, but there are some verbs to this, and you're not just sitting. But God's guiding Sometimes he's making you, <laughs> but either way, there's movement. And then let's go to verse three. He restores my soul. I will pause this message right now and pray for anyone who raises their hand and says, you know what? I'm weary. I'm tired. And honestly, I need my soul restored a little bit. Is anyone there? If I'll cry out for you right now. All right, dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person with the courage to raise their hand and say, God, I am tired. God, I need you. That God, I just need some restoration in my life right now. That Lord, if your word promises me that you will restore my soul, then God, I'm going to lay upon that word and trust you. God, I pray for a faith in the room, Father God, to really find that restoration and that peace on this side of this earth, Father God. On this side, God, bring us peace while working that job and bring us peace while being in that relationship and bring us peace while having these financial issues God I pray that we won't be people who will have peace when the circumstances change but I pray for an atmosphere and a heart for people to be pure and whole and satisfied now God and in Jesus name I say amen if your satisfaction comes through anything besides Jesus I'll be satisfied when God fixes this situation that it's not God that's satisfying you it's the situation and it's fixedness amen our God is an unmovable anchor hooked to him Amen? And that means no matter where I'm getting blown, I always have the same center. Amen. He restores my soul. Again, another, actually another verb is restoration here. This is an action again on God's part. He leads me, action, he leads me in paths of righteousness. You know, know, there's a verse in the New Testament that I feel like in, in some Like in modern day charismatic movements and churches and the bigger churches where it's one of those things we don't talk about a lot, but the Bible says that us as Christians, we become slaves to righteousness. Bond servants. It's easier to swallow, but it's the same concept, right? And the concept is that I am bound to righteousness. And that's not a New Testament concept because it's right here in Psalm 23. He's going to walk me. And he's gonna lead me and he's gonna make me walk down a path of righteousness because when I'm following God, no matter how much I twist and turn and run, I always look up one day and realize, dang it, I'm on this, I'm a God, how did he get me here? <laughs> you know, because I ran, I ran from the call of Pastor. And then, like, what's happening? You know, I ran from my wife and she's looking good and she has a baby that's mine. <laughs> you gotta got to qualify. And it's like, but I ran from that. I didn't deserve it. But one day I looked up and it was still there anyway. Because God led me down a path of righteousness. And though I tried to run, I was always tethered. And so I always came bouncing back. Y'all ever played tetherball? Me with God sometimes. He's like, stay on the path. And I'm like, no. And I go around and and the devil hits me. (laughs) All right. Well, what are we doing here? For his name's sake. Y'all. Okay. One other thing to really talk about because, whoa, we're everywhere today and I'm really loving it. I'm so excited about this message. Um, He leads me down paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God will get the glory. And so we can look at that from a negative mindset of, wow, God's just gonna get, the, it's all about God. It's all about Jesus. It is, by the way, so don't use the tone. Get excited. It's all about Jesus, uh, you know? But, but, but sometimes, we, but it's all about, no, but that means for his name's sake. So if me as a Christian, if I can make him look bad because of my lifestyle, then he will lead me to a place where I will glorify him for his name's sake. And so you can look at it from the prospect of he's making me and forcing me and I'm mad at God. Or you can look at it from the prospect no, he's holding your hand and leading you right to where you always wanted to be anyway. Amen? When I was a kid, I used to run out into the street. And my dad would whoop me. But you know what I wanted more than to be in the street? To be alive. I just didn't know it. Right? <laughs> and, so, and so when my dad took that immediate desire away, he did it so I could better fulfill the overall desire that I really had. Amen. And so when God will glorify his name, sometimes his no, because he's saying no to this, because he's saying yes to that. In your life, right? All y'all who are married, I'm not mad that I'm saying no to everyone else besides my wife, because the yes is so good. (laughs) Amen. Um, For his name's sake, and I love that she dyed her hair red. Like, we can stop the sermon right now. And verse four. (laughs) You know, it's really funny. I always listen to preachers make those jokes. And then I was like, I'll never do that immediately. Just like day one. (laughs) Like, I'll never do that to someone. It's so awkward. It's like immediately my first joke is, that's right. I'm going home today. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Though I walk through the valley of shadow and death. That verse ain't fun. I shall fear no evil. Because again, he's taking you to the worst circumstance possible. And he's still saying you're the same. Just like he's. Making you walk. Remember, you know, it's really funny. The verse before says he's going to lead you down the path of righteousness. And then what's the next thing? And you're in the valley of shadow and death. Sometimes the valley and shadow and death is the pathway to righteousness. And sometimes that area, that, that thing that you thought was there to kill you, was only there to set you somewhere stronger and to set you up and prepare you. But if you know your identity, you're not shaken by the storm and you're not shaken by the valley, but actually you're excited by it because that means, wait a second. There's something on the other side. You know, if your identity is right. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff. Okay. The rod. If a sheep would run away, the shepherd would go. He would get it and he'd break its legs and he'd carry it back home. You ever read the parable where Jesus says, the ninety nine for the one? And and you know you ever notice that when Jesus the, the shepherd's coming back it says he's carrying the sheep? I mean, Jesus left out the rod part, but it's heavily implied. He is carrying that broken leg sheep right on with him because that sheep was kicking and screaming. And, and y'all, we've all been that one, and we've all been the 99, right? Uh, but the 99 gets that religious thing in their head of like, well, God, I've been so good, right? Why aren't you carrying me? Because well, you're not weak enough to run off, right? Like, we got <laughs> perspective is beautiful. But, so, but here's the thing. The same rod that God would use to discipline you in love is the same one he'll use to defend you. And if it breaks your legs, it'll break your enemy's legs too. Right? But the difference between you and the enemy is that God's not going to carry the enemy after. Something worth thinking about in those times when a sheep would run off and a shepherd would break its legs and carry it. He would do that even though it would cost him. Right? Because now I got to carry this dang sheep around all day, every day, because it can't walk. I wonder why it can't walk. Because I broke its legs. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I've been in seasons where I could not have made it if God did not just show up and just give me a free pass. I would have failed, I would have said no to my test, I would have ran, I would have been too weak, but God made me strong because he walked the walk I didn't. Because God is good. And your staff, (laughs) right? And that's just when the shepherd's walking and he's clicking his staff, Uh, sheep, sheep. they they got two qualities about them that are kind of offensive because God calls us his sheep. They're dumb and they don't hear well. Yeah, <laughs> And y'all, like, when I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, I get it. You know, like, I'm like, how could God call us that? And I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, that, that's why. Because I ran from the call for 10 years, I don't hear well. And because he showed me gold, and Satan's like, yeah, but there's a thorn patch over there. And I was like, oh, I'll go dive in, because I'm dumb. And... <laughs> but God still was there for me anyway He broke my legs and carried me around I still ended up married to her Yeah, that's like the biggest testimony of my life Because you don't know how bad it got um, It got bad Well, look at her, she's looking good, man I'm, I'm so excited about this um, But the shepherd would walk with his staff And every time he put it, it'd click And it would keep them in direction But then you also got the shepherd's crook Right, because sometimes the discipline is soft Where it just brings you back I've had that too why do something wrong, bad? And God's like, hey, just come on, just keep walking. But I've done stuff where I was bad, and he's like, all right, poof, let's go. Like, like, we got it all. Know your identity. God is good no matter the circumstance. And he's always using it to teach you, train you, reproof you, but build you up in righteousness and equip you. Comfort me. <laughs> well, amen. Now <laughs> preach, let's keep going. <laughs> Is that Josh sending a message? Come, someone come for me up there. Josh, Jesus loves you too. You're super called. Bro, you're called to teach. You're called to lead. The back ain't for long, right? You just enjoy it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Do you know there's no one in your life that controls your call besides God? Do you know just because someone spoke death over you doesn't mean that you actually carry that death on you? Well, from, right, because the power of life and death is in the tongue. Yeah, but not on me. That's talking about me with myself. Elder John can speak all the death he wants over me. He doesn't, but he could. It wouldn't change anything in my life because ain't no one there controlling your destiny. Like, what will I do with him today? Right? No, it's just God. And so the thing is, God's going to bless you in front of your enemies. But here's the implication. If you follow me, there will be enemies. And so when someone's shouting that you suck, that's good. You're on the right path. <laughs> and that means when I'm eventually where I'm supposed to be and I get to look at that person and go, oh, i suck now, right? <laughs> but then you get an opportunity to be like David, right, when some of those people betrayed him, Mephibosheth. And there's never really qualified if Mephibosheth betrayed him or not. I've studied that 10,000 times. For those of you who know the Bible, just someone betrayed David But maybe didn't, and we don't ever know. And David never got the final answer. He just set him back down at his table. Because sometimes our enemies are Christians, and they're at the table too. (laughs) You know? And though you'll go through a season where God will prep you in front of them, you'll then go through a season where God's going to prep them in front of you. Because God doesn't show partiality, and he shows all of his sheep. And he loves all of them, and he builds them all up. Do you know that even if you hurt another Christian, you should go apologize and you should repent that lifestyle, but you know that ultimately God will still guide you to where you're supposed to be, and you know that you can mess up bad to the point where you hurt other people, and God will still use you and still bring you to where you are called to be? Did you know there's not something you can do once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior that can make you lose the love of the Father? See, the Bible says God is love. That doesn't mean we worship love, but it means that everything God is is what the definition of love is. Amen? Amen. You you anoint my head with oil. Modern day translation. You gave me a call and you filled me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. And I don't know about y'all, but I read the Bible verse that says, When I have the Holy Spirit, I'm sealed by Him. Let me ask you a question can anyone unseal something that God has sealed? Nope. Well, then you just acknowledge that you can't lose your salvation. Have fun. Um, My cup runs over. You're sitting at the table. Back in those days. And it was customary oftentimes. Not always. Customary. Kings do what they want. But customary uh, for the head of the house to actually pour the first cup for everyone. Right? But the one cup of the favored guest they'd pour until it overflow. And it was a statement of you are my favored guest in this room. Now God's saying that's all of his sheep. You are my favored guest. You are my favored one. You are my favorite one. I used to have people that would say they'd pray this prayer: "God, thank you because I'm your favorite." Look, I'm okay with you praying that thank you, God, because I'm your favorite, as long as you acknowledge everyone else is too. You know what I'm saying? Like we can all be His favorite, but we can't have some people that are more His favorite than others, right? <laughs> Amen. And well, last verse, we read a chapter. We made it, guys—a whole chapter of the Bible, a whole chapter. Last verse: Surely goodness and mer- surely, surely. Don't call me Shirley either. You know what I'm saying? Airplane. Don't watch that movie, but you should. It's like that thing where I can't tell you it's a good movie because it's rated R and there's some stuff, but it was a good movie. Uh, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Who is good? Who is the one who is merciful to me? Shall follow me. God is with me. And when I run, he'll follow because I'm the one. And when I'm with him, I'll follow. (laughs) But either way, I'm always in the vicinity of goodness and mercy. Amen. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, if you read first Peter, it's implied that right now you are the house of the Lord. So you're not just dwelling in the house of the Lord. Everywhere I dwell, the house of the Lord is because I'm housing his Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to pray. Where are we at on time? For the next 20 minutes, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. All right, dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room, God. I thank you, Lord, that everyone's going to buckle in and be with me for the next three hours and two minutes, Father God. So this my- But dear Lord, we love you. I praise you. I pray for every person in this room, God, that they would be touched by you. God, that this word would maybe affect the way they see themselves and affect the way they see them. Circumstances, Father God, and that we would know that we are loved and we are blessed by you. And that, God, I thank you that I am called and I am chosen. And I am in in a room of people who are also called and chosen. And in Jesus' name I say, amen. I'm going to take a drink of water and then we'll get this party started. I don't know how this water bottle is going to last three hours, but. It's funny, when I make that joke, it's always a nervous laugh. Because it's like, it's funny if it's a joke, but if it's not, oh my God, like, <laughs> like and so there's always like a, <laughs> oh, what's happening? Um, no, I'm, all right, so, have you ever met someone who's hard-headed? One-track mind? You've been told that? Stop, dude, why do you have such a one-track mind about this? Why are you so focused on this? I'm one of those people. I'm definitely a one-track-minded person. The problem is that one-track mind's like in the clouds. And so then people are like trying to talk to me and I'm like, uh, like I'm not always there. You know, God's been really working with me on the concept of being present. Uh, because I'm that guy that's like thinking of like all these crazy cool ideas, and like I'm only gonna do like one of them. But I'm like I'm really like I get invested. Like when I would decide I was gonna work out, like I bought pants, I bought the shirt, I went and bought the shaker thing, and I, I bought the, the th- I got the gym membership, and I got like I got people, and we're like all getting involved. And like two days later, like I haven't been back. Um, but man, we we spent like 150 bucks, so that's that's important. Because um, <laughs> I'm a dreamer. You know what I'm saying? I, I am. I'm a dreamer. But I've met people that have a one-track mind like Hargo. Hey, dreamers aren't bad. Just as long as they have people around them that'll be like, okay, but like, there is a ground. <laughs> Icarus, don't hit that sun. Your wings gonna melt, son. And I'm like, mine won't melt. But his did. Yeah, but mine won't. Because um, I have a one-track mind. You know, I'm always shooting for the stars. Uh, but, okay, I have, a, I have five sisters. I'm the oldest of eight. I have five sisters. And... One of them has a bit of a one-track mind. And I'll never forget, when she was little, she, she would had a habit of leaving the pantry open. And my dad had a habit of spanking her for that because he didn't want the pantry open. And uh, so her one-track mind was the pantry's going to be open. His one-track mind was I'm going to spank you. And then it was just this vicious cycle. And uh, <laughs> she finally got it through her head that she had to close it and she wouldn't get in trouble. So then her one-track mind became everything has to be closed. And like if a door is open, she'd be like, because she didn't want to get spanked and just like decided that this, right? And so I'll never forget the day because one-track mind of people are crazy and they'll hurt themselves. That she panicked and slammed the door in her hand. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And she didn't respond like any other kid did. She didn't cry because her hand hurt. She cried because the door didn't close. And it opened back up. And so she slammed it on her hand and it bounced back open and she slammed it on her hand like four times and I'm like I was 10 and I thought it was funny um and so I was watching halfway excited because this is like how many times will this happen before like things click, because I've always been the curious type, like scientific, like I'm gonna like measure all this and see what's going on, and so just the door keeps closing, and then finally, she gets frustrated and just starts pushing on it, and her hand's in the door, and I'm like watching just this one-track-minded person, just like, it's not closing, and it's like, well, if you took three seconds to think about your hand and you moved it, it would close. But she did that for a while. And then my dad ran to the corner. And when I saw him around the corner, I was like, oh, what's going on? Like, looked like that I had just shown up as well because I was bad. But, like, I was 10. God, I wasn't saved yet. I was not saved yet. Yeah, I didn't get saved until I was, like, 19. Like, that was nine years of chaos before that moment. And it was just gnarly. But, um, but <laughs> so she had just one track mind. And you couldn't shake her from it at all. There's a popular meme online, and it comes from Spongebob. Where they yeah, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so Patrick Starr, which shout out to one of the best characters in TV ever. Um, Patrick Starr, they're trying to help this bad guy become good. And so some of you know what I'm going on with this because you've seen it. And so they're like, okay, Patrick, pretend you drop your wallet. And then bad guy, instead of picking up the wallet and running off with it, give it back to him. And so Patrick pretends to drop his wallet and then forgets. Which is fantastic. And so the guy picks it up and he's like, here's your wallet. And he's like, oh, that's not my wallet. And he's like, no, that's your wallet. And he goes, that's not my wallet. He goes, okay. He's getting mad, like wanting to punch, punch the guy in Spongebob. He's like, you can't hit him. That's what bad guys do. Because this thing's never happened in real life, but cartoons are amazing. I still watch them, all right? And exactly. And, and so, and so he, he's like, okay, fine. He opens the wallet. He goes, there's a picture in here. In this wallet, of you. I'm tracking with you, right? He's like, yes, there is. And he's like, and is your name Patrick Starr? Yes, my name is Patrick Star, And is that name on this card Patrick Starr? Yes, the name on the card is Patrick Starr. And yes, that is my picture. So then would you agree that this is your ID? Yes, I totally agree. This is my ID. Okay, so this ID is in this wallet, right? With you. Yeah, I'm tracking with you. And he's like, okay, so would you agree that whoever's ID is in this wallet, it's their wallet? Right, And he's like, yeah, it makes sense to me. He goes, then it's your wallet. He goes, that's not my wallet. Like, And it's like, so it's just like this one-track mindedness of like, that's not my wallet. And no matter what anyone tells me, no matter what proof you give me, that is not my wallet. And I'm no how hard the door hits my hand. The problem isn't my hand. The problem is the doors not closing because one-track minded people are actually kind of insane sometimes because they don't make sense. Now, on the flip side, did you know God has a one-track mind? I love the way John Gray, and not Elder John Gray, like the pastor, (laughs) John Gray, I love the way he puts it. He goes, you know that nothing's ever occurred to God. He's never just like had a thought. He's never like, oh, that's a great idea, right? Because he's all-knowing. It's one of the concepts. It's part of theology that he is all-knowing, right? And so... Some people argue, if there is there free will? Is there not? I don't really care, but what I care is that the final answer, God knows everything's going to happen before it happens. We can philosophize about what that means, not the point of the message. God knows all things, and he's already decided his plan and his will for you, and God actually has a one-track mind on that. Amen. I am tired of the teaching that Christians lose their call. And here's what I mean. The uncomfortable truth is, if God always knew that you would walk away from your call, it was never your call. There was just an aspect of it you walked in until it was going to give given, right? It was never Saul's call to be king because if you look at the Bible, he always said, I'll bring a king from Judah. And then Saul came with Benjamin. That was never God's design, and Saul was always going to fall and David was always going to be king, even though he was king for a season. Now, this is kind of can be an uncomfortable thing for some people, because what that means is that God knows and he lets me. And what does that mean for me? It, it means he's walking with you and he's guiding you and just stay repentant and stay with him and you won't lose the track that you're on. And you may wander, but you'll always land back where you were. And, and, and I know that can be like a, a, a super uncomfortable thing because of the implications of some of our lives. But it doesn't change the truth. And the, shadow, the valley of the shadow of death is a real thing. And, yes, God's path of righteousness was always going to lead you through it. But for the intention of you to go through it. And so when I say that we're called and chosen, and the reason why I use that section of scripture, I'm going I'm to say something. You know, in the Bible, Matthew chapter 22, Jesus tells a parable of a wedding feast. And how one person gets kicked out of the feast for not dressing right. Because that's an identity thing. But uh, that's a different message for later on in this message series. Um, But So this person didn't put on the robes. Wouldn't identify themselves with God. And so the king kicked him out. And then Jesus says, for many are called. But few are chosen. And now when I'm saying called and chosen. I am not using that verse's definition of called. But I am using that verse's definition of chosen. Because if you're chosen you're chosen that word for called in context more often means invited and I'm not talking to you because you're invited though everyone's invited I'm talking to a group of people that are called and I don't know if you know this but if I say the word nail think think of think of what that looks like some of you thought of a metal nail on a wall and some of you thought of a fingernail and some of you thought of a toenail but the word is the same and so a word doesn't find its definition until it has context, amen. And if you're taking notes, write that down. A word does not find its definition until it has context. I'm gonna rock out tonight. I hit my toe on a rock. <laughs> right? The both. I'm using the word rock, but the word's definition was found in the context, and you understand one he's talking about music, and the other he's talking about a stone on the ground. You know, in the in the dictionary, there are over 400 definitions for the word set. Because the word set has 400 different usage, and until it gets put in context, the definition doesn't actually mean anything yet. So with that in mind, I want to take you to Romans chapter 8 and show you what I'm saying when I say you're called. Amen? Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also. I love it. we got to fix that. Uh, Is the rest of the word, or is that the end of it? glorified my man um (laughs) right and so that one says though many are called few are chosen this definition is basically using the same word for chosen those he foreknew he chose and those he chose he justified and those he justified he glorified right and so what you see is once you step into the call of God you are on a track that is unavoidable that God will take you to those beautiful places and he will make you lay down beside that stream because God loves you and God is just and God is good. And so, if I am called, and that means I cannot shake my call because God has given it to me, and if I'm called, I will be justified. And by the way, you're actually already justified now, and the glorification comes when you die. When you get that new body and your flesh no longer desires sin, that's glorification. And that's coming, but the rest of this verse has actually already happened for those of you who believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. I want to tell you guys something. The word predestination is not a bad word. It just means that God always had a good plan for you if you're a Christian. But if you're in this room and you believe in Jesus, that means he always planned on you believing in him and he already set a path for you to walk that would lead you to that place because he loves you. And and the reason why I'm, I'm saying called and chosen is because when I titled this message, it was originally titled Sheep. And I figured that wouldn't be enticing. So I say called and chosen, and people are like, oh, I'm excited. I get to be called and chosen walking to church. I'm like, you're a sheep because I caught you, you know? Uh, Because if Jesus is our shepherd, then when he calls us, we hear. What aspect of our relationship with God is that? It's our sheep aspect, right? And if he will make me lie down, and if he will make me walk the path of righteousness, then what does that mean? That means I am chosen to walk the path of righteousness. And so all those things, when you read that Jesus is your shepherd, He's saying, I have called and chosen you. Always in context, he's always saying that. Amen? Peter, do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Feed those I have called and chosen. I did not let one little lamb stray from me. Not one whom the Father gave me, who he has called and chosen to me, has it gone astray. I kept them all. What does that mean? It means Judas was never in the ring. But the other 11 were always going to be right with God. Even when Peter ran. And even when he denied Jesus, Jesus took him right back around to that fire pit, right again with the fish, and made him repent three times and walked him right back to the path of righteousness. Amen? Peter didn't have to go through a process. When he came back to Jesus, he was like, your call's back on. Get out there. Amen? I'm having a good time. So if he is my shepherd, and he says in John chapter 10... My sheep hear my voice. Let's actually flip that up on the screen because I want us to see it. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. You can't hide things from God. God's not ashamed of your sin. He already took it out on his son. Actually, your sin's already been handled. Now you're just in right standing. Now you're actually just righteous with him. Now you're actually just good. And so he knows you. And he doesn't know you like you know you. He knows you because he's calling you. And even though he's calling you, he looks at you. Listen, he is not calling a future version of you. God is calling you now. Amen? He's not calling the you that's cleaned up, that's dusted off, that's done all the right things. He's calling the you that's broken and hurt and said, I'm screwed up and I don't even know if I want you, God. And he's saying, but I know you and I will guide you on the path of righteousness. But here's the thing. They will also know me. Guys, you need to be praying. You need to be studying your Bible. You need to be going out and doing the will of the Father who sent you because sometimes it's in the actions of God's will that we learn intimately what his character is. I have a video, five-minute video for you guys. I'm supposed to be like closing right now, and I have three points, but whatever. I guess we'll close. It's not a bad message. Um, Let's go. And we'll sit those lights off just so we can see it easier. Rejection is real. directly off of this with a thought, and and that thought is is that when, when God calls us, we need to look up and run to him, but listen to me. There is a beautiful aspect of my sheep hear my voice. Notice they would not look up when the wrong voice called them. Get to know your God, because when the enemy tries to shout at you and tries to say how broken you are and tries to say how useless you are, and you start identifying yourself by the wrong thing because you looked up. When the wrong person was shouting, listen to me, look down. You may have made a mess, but you're not a mess. You may have made a mistake, but you're not a mistake. You may have messed up, but you're not a mess up. Because the, God doesn't talk to his people like that. He says, you made a mistake. Let me walk with you to where you need to be. But the enemy goes, you messed up. You're broken. You don't deserve this. And we listen. And we quit walking in our call. And we keep walking in our fullness of who God's called us to be. And I'm telling you, stop listening to the voice of the enemy, because God's voice over your life is never done. The Bible says that we will always be present with God. So he doesn't cast us off and call us a mistake. Now there will be correction, but he doesn't define us by our correction. That's that legalism we have in our brain. I don't care what you did yesterday. Run to God, because you're not that thing. Amen? And kind of as I close this, this out, I, I have two really important points, but we'll try to go through them really quick. Um, if we look into the Bible and we see when, when Psalm chapter 23, it says that, um, actually, can we just go, I think it's verse 4, chapter 23, verse 4. Next one, verse five, I lied to everybody. Nope, verse three, I lied one more time. I'm excited though. He restores my soul. (laughs) He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Listen, I, I, I want to encourage you guys that you have a call, and I've been saying that, but I want you to turn out the lingo of I need to work on this and then I'll walk in it. Well, I kind of, I'm not really walking in my call right now because I have to work on me right now. When has that ever been God in the Bible? We need to erase that thought process because it's why we become stagnant. Because when you're waiting to get healed, you'll never get healed. Because, like I said, this whole thing is He leads me, He guides me, He restores me, He makes me. It's movement, it's movement, it's movement. You have to move, you can't stop. You got to keep walking with God because stopping, that's where death is. Amen. In the Catholic catechisms, and I'm not Catholic, but I've always said this catechism right here is amazing, and it is uh, the chief end of man is to glorify God. And I think the theology on that is beautiful, and I wouldn't throw it away, (laughs) even if I throw some other things away around it. But the chief end of man is to glorify God. And, 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 And John Piper actually says something really interesting. He says that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is more most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And let me promise you, satisfaction will not come in sitting and waiting. And the reason why we're miserable and we avoid church or we hate church or we avoid our call or we're in the things that we're in is because we're not making those steps and those moves. And I want to wake you a little bit and encourage you to get up. Like, I'm white, guys. I'm really white. And so I don't understand rap sometimes. And I was with a buddy, and we were walking, and there was a dude rapping on the street. And I was, like, you know, pretending. Like, I thought it was cool, but I... This is not my thing, you know. And like I was like, yeah, this guy's awesome. And it's I don't. Um, but I noticed something really peculiar while he was dropping his rap. There was a guy behind him accenting certain words. Like boom, I was like, what is this guy doing? Super distracted. But I didn't know. Again, I'm white. <laughs> I grew up in an all Latin community, and they didn't rap either, you know. Like, <laughs> and so it was like just. And then he's the guy would be like, make it rain. I was like. What's happened? Like, you know, and I couldn't understand what the guy was saying. But then the one dude that would drop those things like, oh, that's what he's talking about. And it kept me in track. And oh, you know, that that's actually a beautiful way for us to view our call. God is actually speaking to the entire world. And our job is to come in and, and accent that a bit the way that we can and draw attention to the part of the message that's relevant to this person in front of us. And this person may not understand the five-fold ministry. and may not understand what it means to evangelize or to be saved. But you know what they need to know is that Jesus loves them. And so sometimes all you can say is, hey, but Jesus forget that but Jesus loves you and you're just hyping the message while God's speaking you're drawing attention we all have a call and there are people listening to us and we just gotta take the word God has given us and give it to people that is where you'll find your completion when I'm called and chosen I'm not it's not a future version of me that's called I'm called now and I want to close this out I'll take my piano. This last part's about to get way more anointed, right? Um, because he just makes me sound so much more spiritual. He makes it sound like I prayed today. I did. I'm just kidding. But, but he makes me sound like it. Um, you got, I hope you can live up to that. Um, the woman at the, the well It's a really famous and really well-known story. And here's how that story goes. It's a woman... Who's was at a well, right? And uh, she runs into Jesus, and Jesus begins to talk to her. He begins to tell her, teach her about the Messiah. He tells her things like, hey, the way you're worshiping is wrong, right? My people worship on this mountain, and your people worship they know not what. That's what he says, says to her, which is a crazy thing to say to someone. And he begins to talk to her about her six marriages, And he begins to talk to her about the fact that she's living with a man now. And and, and the fact that she's there in the middle of the day in the Middle East probably means that there's some rejection, some possible prostitution, that she's, she's, she's a mess. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit made Jesus talk to her. Go read it. It says the Spirit led him to her. Other times it's just Jesus walking, but her, it says Jesus led him to a well. And he led him to her while she was living with another man, while she was potentially prostituting. She was a Samaritan worshiping what Jesus says you know not what. What does that mean? Idolatry. She's having idols in her home. And she runs to the people after her interaction with God and says, come show me the man who told me everything I ever did. You know what that tells me? She still didn't understand him yet. This, this is a good thing to notice. She thought, Jesus cared about my sins. But no, see, Jesus didn't tell her, here's all your sins. He told her, here's your Messiah. Her perspective, she was still working on it. And I want you to know that I think many of us need to embrace that we're the woman at the well. And here's why I mean that. Because so many of us are waiting until we're healed to walk in our call. But she wouldn't preach to a city while living with some man. While in an an extramarital affair, while possibly prostituting, and while definitely having idols in her home. And while God was still working her out, he worked out a city as well. And I'm tired of Christians saying, I'm too broken to get up. I got to be with me a little bit. But God's saying, no, run and share your message. I'll bring the healing. I'll bring the peace. I'll bring the breakthrough. But you got to go. Don't wait for your call. Walk in it. Is it William Booth that says, I'm not waiting for a move of God, I am a move of God? Yo, that's the Bible. Yo, that's the gospel. Look to that woman who had no right to preach the gospel. She doesn't know who God is. She's never read the Bible. She's never read the Bible. She's a Samaritan. She doesn't know. She has idols in her home and she's living with some dude. And a whole city ran to Jesus because of her testimony because the testimony of a prostitute because of, not an ex-prostitute a prostitute because the testimony of an idolater, not an ex-idolater the testimony of a woman in an affair they found Jesus don't wait don't wait because as I really close this out (laughs) this is my third close by the way Um, as I really close this out for real, probably. This whole thing ends with chapter, <laughs> verse 6. and if we can turn to verse 6, Psalm chapter 22, 23, verse 6. Pretty please. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If God knows all things, if he's calling me to walk my call out, even though I'm still broken, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God knew that when he got with you, he knew that when he called you, when he indwelt you with himself, he knew it was not for a lifetime. It was not for a set amount of years. It was for the rest of eternity from that point on. What kind of love is that? Y'all, and I, do, I mean this in the most loving, and I don't mean any disrespect towards my wife at all, but, yo, like, I say this a lot, like, no one annoys me more than her, right? That's not a knock on her. No one annoys her more than me, right? Friction from intimacy, it happens. And so think about the fact that you, have you ever been with someone be like, I think I've been hanging out with you too much, right? Because it is annoying you, right? But think about that, and think about that God took you on every day for eternity, even though you are annoying, (laughs) right? Even though you can be a mess, even though you will make mistakes tomorrow probably and next week and next month, he called you anyway, not just for that day, but for all time because he enjoys you. I love the way a man put it. He said, God's like a gardener. He doesn't just make the full tree. He plants the seed and he lovingly waters it. God enjoys the process. He enjoys your process. Any of you who had kids, it's crawling, so exciting. She's walking. Oh, she's finally eating on her own. She's like, how exciting is every step for you? And I got to tell you something. I don't care. We're like, oh, she finally crawled. I'm like, cool. Like, you know, like, because I'm not in the process with you. And so I'm just coming in and out at phases and being like, oh, that's cool. But I wasn't with you when you cried over the child. I wasn't with you when you watched her fail five, six, seven, eight times. I wasn't there. You were. And so there was a heart you had because of the process. And just like a pregnant woman carries a child for nine months, God was carrying you before you were ever birthed into him. He was walking with you before you ever walked in your calling, before you ever accepted him. He was there holding you, caressing you, walking you through. I can think of four points in my life, without exaggeration, where I should have died. And I'm only here because God moved when I was still giving a middle finger up to heaven. But he loved me. And I'm not special. And he loves you. And if you're far from God, and you don't know Him, you don't believe Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, He's with you. You didn't come in this room on accident. You weren't here by mistake. He's with you. And if you're in this room, and you love God, but you love you a little bit more, and you kind of go at your own pace... When you see Jesus walking up to the cross, you see John and Peter were walking with him. And then Peter got distracted and wandered off, and he got scared, and he cursed at a child, and he ran away. But the Bible says that John would follow to the foot of the cross. And there was something beautiful about being close. Because then God says to to John, watch after my mother. And there was a calling placed on the life of John because he stayed close when others walked away. And I want to encourage some of you who maybe are in a Peter season where you've walked away a bit, distance from God, come back. And just like with Peter, you're not going to go find Jesus. Jesus came and found you on the bank of the shore and says, do you have any fish? Do you have any meat? My meat is to do the will of the Father. Is there anything over there that will satisfy you? No." And come at the bank. I've prepared a meal for you in the presence of your enemies. And if you're waiting to get healed to walk in your call, I-, I really want to encourage you that that will never happen. Healing is in a process, and a process is movement. What are you called to be? Work on it now. Well, I'm called to be a pastor. Well, then get in a church, get under a pastor, and ask him to disciple you into it and let him walk with you. Because the Bible says the pastor, the prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, and the teacher are for the equipping of the saints. I'm not a pastor so I can be your pastor. I'm a pastor so I can equip you to be a pastor, to be a prophet, to be an evangelist. But you got to walk with us because community is a real thing, and in community they're stretching and confrontation, but it's something, this is one of my catchphrases in this church nowadays. Confrontation breeds intimacy. The people you fight with the hardest and you headbutt with the most the people you respect the most at the end of the day. And I remember when I was mentoring a group of youth kids, the ones I yelled at the most <laughs> were the ones at my house the most, the ones texting me the most, and the ones that showed me the most respect because confrontation breeds intimacy. Um, I'm going to pray for all of you. Um, we. I'm so conflicted on how I want to end today. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I feel like God wants to speak to some of you. I, I feel like some of you have words for this room. I, I feel that there needs to be healing today. And Maxwell, I'm, I'm looking at you and, and, and I'm thinking that some of you need to stop being in the back and getting. Nathaniel, come sit in the front. It's where you belong. I, I'm believing. I'm going to pray and then we're going to move. And when I say amen, cut the podcast. Amen. Uh, Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room God I pray for breakthrough God that people would feel welcomed they'd feel invited into your presence Father God because they know that they are who you say they are God and who we are as a body as a community and as individuals is called and chosen is beloved Father God and is your child we love you we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to come into your presence God we thank you for the honor that it is to give you praise and to give you honor and to give you glory Father God we love you I pray for the wayward sons to come home. I pray for those who don't know you to know that the door is open and they can walk right in. I thank you for the people who have sat in their struggle because they felt that you had to heal them before they moved and I thank you God for a breaking of that mindset and they can just move now. They can just move now Father God into completion into fullness and God I thank you for the leaders in this house who are going to walk with people God I pray that you would anoint them and love them Father God and let them feel a passion and a fire God that would course through them God I thank you for the ministries that are going to flow out of this place Father God I thank you for the breakthroughs that are going to flow out of this place Father God I thank you that today isn't just for today but this message just for a week and for a year and for a city father god and i pray a group of people would rise out of here today that know that they are called and they are chosen and they are not afraid of rejection and they're not afraid to make their mistakes because i know you are with them god and most importantly god i pray tonight and in the weeks to come as people in this room begin to pray that you would show yourself so sweetly and intimately to them god, god let them know that you are good that you are just and that you are present in all of our circumstances, Lord. And in Jesus' mighty name I say, amen.